Welcome to Real Estate Uncovered, presented by the Real Estate Inspection Company, where we interview every type of real estate industry expert to uncover some common and not so common real estate topics. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, this is Philippe Heller, and today I've got Derek Evans joining me for a podcast, and uh, we are going to talk about the state of the mortgage industry and the real estate market um, with a financial view. And um, Derek Evans uh, works for Align Mortgage, and this guy's brilliant. He really has a great view of the market and what affects rates and what's going on in the San Diego real estate market. And um, so, Derek, uh, why don't you give a quick introduction and we'll get What's going. Up, brother? Hey, yeah, great to be here. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the things involving the real estate market. What some people are saying, you know, impending crash and stuff like that. Like what what are some of the layers underneath that? Uh, or why would people be saying that? Um, there's tons of dif- disinformation campaigns going on across the whole crypto uh, currency space, the whole uh, stock and bond investment space. And it's it appears the same thing is happening in real estate. And, and we get um, right into it. Okay, let's. Uh, yes, let's, let's get, get to, to the, the good chase. stuff, bro. So, so you're you're a market watcher, like a financial markets watcher, not just a stock market. So, can you let like share what affects rates? Everyone just looks for rates, and they. I, I don't know if there's a good understanding of what actually drives rates up or down. So, real quick, what what affects that? Good point. Yeah, a lot of people think it's the Federal Reserve, and it is to an extent, but it's not the federal funds rate. It's how much. Uh, QE or quantitative easing the, the Fed is doing, how much, how many bonds, how much dollars in bonds they're purchasing every day. And it's gotten out of control. And they're doing that a lot with money that they're essentially printing, which these days you don't actually have to print the money. Like everyone still talks about control P and stuff like that, but you don't need to print anymore. It's just numbers on a screen. Mm-hmm. It's not hard for the Fed who's in control of that to just move money around and do whatever they want. Um, but this has caused a lot of people to be uneasy about it and has caused inflation. And so when we talk about what affects mortgage rates, it's the price of mortgage bonds. Mm-hmm. The rates that you're getting for your mortgage are based on what the open market is willing to pay for those bonds added into that with the the Fed also buying those bonds. So it's not a totally free market, but it is an open market. Anyone can participate. You could go buy mortgage bonds right now. You could buy a mortgage bond ETF, Philip, Philippe, if you want to. Um, anyone listening to this, you could go buy a, you know, a, a bond ETF that has mortgage bonds in it. You can all participate in that market. But what drives bond prices in, so if we know bonds are what drives rates, then what drives bond prices is inflation or lack thereof. Okay, so, so, if, so if inflation goes up, which it is doing, we're seeing evidence of that all over the place, how does that affect the bond market and thus mortgage rates? Then rates will go up. Because if you look right now, a lot of bonds are being traded at the 2.5% coupon Fannie Mae. Well, 2.5%, and by the way, they're trading for like 105, the par is 100. So the, the return that the investor is getting there is like 1.7%. Let's just say it's 2%. So you're getting 2% on your return if you buy these bonds. Well, if we're seeing inflation of 3%, then buying these bonds, you're losing money. You're losing a percent. And that's going to compound. So if inflation is taking place and is out of control, and you know that's why the, the Fed always says, well, our target is 2% or less, Right. For inflation, and that's part of the reason why, because they want to keep the ten-year in, in check to a certain extent. They want to keep, you know, mortgage rates in check to a certain extent. So, if if the Fed is trying to keep, 
you know, that number there that just shows you where they're trying to keep everything else. But if inflation rises, investors won't want bonds anymore. They'll sell them, they'll dump them and go to something else um, because that is essentially a guaranteed loss. You're taking risk for a guaranteed loss, maybe a small risk, but why would you take any risk for a guaranteed loss? I mean, you literally can just keep the money in, in, in the bank account and hope that currencies work out. Um, so that's what drives mortgage rates. And right now, um, the fact that we haven't seen rates really rise that much, even though we're seeing a hyperinflationary circumstance, mm -hmm. leads me to believe that we are going to see rates go up in the near future. That's why I'm telling people, get it while you can. Um, get it while it's hot. What's also going to happen, Philippe, and I'll give you this information as a mortgage insider. Because the refinance boom that took place in 2020, mortgage companies are very staffed up. So they have tons of people, infrastructures in place. They worked really hard to get to that. You know, it was a really big glut. There's a crazy amount of business came in, hiring, training, all these things to get enough staff in place to run these huge pipelines. And now the pipelines are gone. So what's going to happen is a fierce sword fight for uh, mortgage businesses is underway. And banks will be willing to lose money on a loan just to keep it in the pipeline, keep everyone busy. So that in itself will also help perpetuate the market higher, the real estate market higher, because people will be getting loans at far lower rates than they deserve that, that they qualify for just over bidding wars, essentially, that are taking place wow. between different mortgage companies are shopping around. And this is going to happen. This is already happening rampantly and it will get worse. Uh, and as more mortgage companies become more desperate, more of the telemarketing, you know, trigger lead, you know, credit bureau lead stuff is going to go on. And people who get their uh, credit pulled for a mortgage are going to get pestered to death. So the way that you can keep that from happening, P.S., for everyone who doesn't want that to happen to them ever, is to just go to optoutprescreen.com. You can opt out electronically with the credit bureaus, for, keep them from selling your information to people for five years. You can do it right there online in two seconds. And then you need to print out the form and mail it in for a permanent opt out. That'll keep you your information safe and keep the credit bureaus from selling it. Philippe, a lot of people didn't know this, but when you were born, you were opted in automatically to allowing the credit bureaus to sell your information. You have to physically go and opt out in order to keep them from doing that. And not only does it keep your information safe, but it keeps you from getting pestered to death. That's that's a great tip. I love that. I'm going to do that as soon as we're done with this podcast. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm already through my um, refi, uh, which you True. did help me with. And and um, yes. I did notice, I mean, there it was crazy. We were taking a backseat to purchases because there was a glut, but I, I noticed that there is an easing of that. And I've also noticed more for sale signs going up around the neighborhood, around my neighborhood. In and, Ramona? Uh, yes, in Ramona. And um, what I think we're kind of seeing a leveling off. Um, what do you what do you see about the state of the market and these crazy above asking offers? And um, how do you see that shaking out in the next few months? Yeah. So what's going on is um, for a while, and it's it's almost over. But for a while, sellers didn't realize how hot the market was. So what was happening was they were pricing their homes, and realtors didn't either. Really, they they realtors were shocked. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we were in you know trying to win a deal, and I knew the listing agent very well, and they'd say, yeah. There's no way we'll get to 800 on this, you know, but probably somewhere in the high sevens. And before you know it, we're at 900 with no contingencies, you know, I mean, and so agents were also underpricing the homes, not because they were doing it on purpose, but because the market was so much stronger than anyone anticipated. And when you underprice a home, it creates additional activity. It creates more offers. It creates um, just more action. And so we are seeing people 
you know, getting into the market and seeing properties that they wanted and going and looking and liking it and writing an offer and then getting beat out. And that helped with a lot of things that helped the market seem busier than it was. I mean, if you were at the top three in an offer situation where there's 40 offers, you know, you have to come crazy in order to get that thing. There was 40 people who wrote an offer on this property. Well, now what's happening is, you know, agents are, have come full circle. They understand where the, where the house might actually sell. Sellers are getting more um, hip to this as well. And so homes are being priced more appropriately. Therefore, there's far less activity. Um, you're, you know, people are not going on there who are approved for six hundred thousand. Going, oh, this one's listed for five ninety nine. Yeah, sorry, but it's going to sell for seven and a quarter. Um, now it's listed for six ninety nine instead of five ninety nine. They're not even looking at it. It's not even coming up in their search. So that's what you're going to see right now. The next thing, the next phase that we're in at this moment is we're going to see less activity. You're still going to see homes selling for at near. Uh, or, or, or maybe even slightly above where they're being listed, but there's going to be far less offers. You're only going to have four or five offers now instead of 30 or 40 because we've cut out a lot of the market. And uh, But those offers are going to be a lot closer to having a chance to win, whereas you're getting 40 offers and you know 30 of them were so low that they didn't even get a counter. So um, one of the other things that is influencing it that we've seen um, is – there are a lot, you always hear stories about so many people leaving California, which is true. But what we're seeing is the intrastate movement, a migration mm -hmm. of people from both Los Angeles and the San Francisco Bay Area, yep. uh, to whom San Diego is a great deal. It's still way cheaper, even than LA. Um, and the, the style of living is better. It's a slower pace. There's less traffic. There's all the great things. So for those who don't want to leave California, but they are fed up with um, San Francisco, Los Angeles, other areas in, up north. They are buying down here. And it might be a second home. Like, you know, they're buying a beach house in Imperial Beach or something like that. Or it's just with all the work from home situations now, they are moving down here because it's still pretty easy to get up to San Francisco. We're seeing a lot of that. And that's, I think, also kind of a, I don't want to say artificial, but another outside factor that's putting pressure on the limited inventory in San Diego. Well, we've always had, you know, outside interest in San Diego, in the San Diego market, always had outside interest. What's kind of gone away a little bit is some of the international buyers because of COVID and a few different things with traveling issues and things like that. So some of that stuff actually has gone away and, um, you know, it's been replaced if you will, by more of a domestic interest from other areas of California, other areas of the country, just in general, seeing a lot of people from Canada come down. Um, a lot of people from Northern California, you mentioned the Bay Area, big, big, big deal there. Seeing a lot of people actually come back, uh, back down here from Orange County. Um, yep. You know, a lot of good jobs in Orange County, price points much higher there. Hey, if you're tele telecommuting and you can work from home, why, 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 why pay that, pay all that much? Um, you know, we have a better beach scene here, in my opinion, and, um, you know, everything's much less expensive. So San Diego has, and I've been saying this for a decade, has been so undervalued, both internationally and domestically, that um, it had nowhere to go but higher. And then right now, the thing that's really interesting, Philippe, is that this isn't just San Diego. This is literally the entire country. So we talk about inflation. Inflation is not something that is um, boundaried by, you know, geography, if inflation is really happening, it's going to be happening everywhere. And this is one of the reasons that we know for sure we're in hyperinflationary situation. Go try and buy a house in Missouri. I've been trying to buy rental properties in Missouri all year. I haven't got a single one. Mm 
Um, not a single one. Now I have a very specific type of property that I'm looking for in, in certain areas, but um, I can't get a, a house. I mean, this is crazy. So that should never happen, especially in rural Missouri where I'm looking. Um, and then just, you know, it just literally should never happen. And, you know, especially in places like that where new construction can build at will and things like that. In San Diego, what's different is we have a little bit more steroids on it because we don't have new construction competition for the most part. And the new construction that is out there is is so widely um, sought out. The interest lists are really long. You'll be on a waiting list for months. And then if you get a house, it'll be another six or seven months. And people just can't plan their entire lives around this. Um, so, yeah. And you brought up a good point about new homes, which is the building materials have gone up so much. True. Um, which is in putting pressure on the price of new construction, which is also inflating, or and I don't know if inflating is the right word, but increasing the price of existing homes. Um, True. So I think this is something you and I have talked about before. I don't see a big market crash. You hear about people who want to sit on the sidelines. So I, I'd love sure. to get your idea on how much is money in the bank. If you happen to have money in the bank, how much is that going down in value every month or annually? And um, also, why is there not going to be a big crash in the value of houses in San Diego? If there is going to be a crash, it's not going to be anytime soon. And the reason is because we just don't have the inventory right now. We could use the inventory. Someone um, asked me yesterday and she was very serious. She said, hey, you know, this um, the end of the eviction moratorium, you know, I think it's going to flood, you know, the market with inventory. And will that cause prices to crash? That's such a niche thing. I told her that I really, really hope we get some inventory. We desperately need it. You know, this is not a situation where we can say, well, you know, hey, we've got so much inventory. If any more comes, we're going to crash. No, we're desperate for inventory. Desperate. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've got lots of people who want to buy houses like there's nothing. I mean, not nothing to choose from, not anything that fits my criteria. Not that we have two or three and I don't like any of them. There's zero. So we need the inventory and anything that could bring inventory right now would be really a positive, honestly. Um, so what you have to have in order to crash is you have to have a, a glut of inventory. There's nothing else that crashes a market. And so, um, right now we have the exact opposite happening. So if we're going to go all the way, if the pendulum's going to swing all the way from one side, all the way to the other, we're going to crash. It's going to take several years, Philippe. And this is one of the things that, you know, people who are arguing with me right now online on YouTube, my YouTube channel and stuff like that all the time. Oh, it's so overdone. It's going to crash. Don't understand what the process of a crash looks like, even if it does crash. If it crashes four years from now, after we've gone up another $400,000 in median price and it crashes a hundred grand, they'll jump in there and tell me that they were right. I'm telling you, they'll come on there and be like, I told you it was coming. Like ding dong, you're still, we're still 300,000 up from when you and I were arguing last. And so that's the problem is that the people who want the crash to come, they'll eventually be right and they'll gloat about it, but they'll miss out on so much damn money in the, in the meantime that, um, you know, it's, it's hard to talk reason to. So whether a market's going to crash or not to a buyer shouldn't matter. Maybe to a seller it does, but if you're buying real estate, hopefully you're buying for the long haul. If you do that, you don't have to worry about it. It's just not a concern. You know, the main thing is get the clock ticking. Hey, if you're going to buy a house for it with a 30 year loan, the goal should be to pay it off. That should be part of your retirement strategy. That should be part of your um, homeownership strategy. If you do that, then you want to start as soon as possible. You want to get that clock ticking. You don't want to wait another year or two or three or four to start a 30 year process. My goodness. Um, you know, you want to get that process started as soon as possible. And the good news is, Hey, listen, if you buy a house and let's say that real estate does crash, well, if you bought it and you could afford it and you like it, then nothing's changed. Nothing's changed for you, except 
your real estate taxes are going to go down. So your payment will go down. It's like an automatic refi. You know, that is exactly what drove me nuts about the last crash is that, first of all, people had no equity. They were upside down in many cases because of the reverse amortization loans. And, and so they just walked away from a house the first sign that they thought they were underwater. And I always thought, boy, if we had that same attitude, if we bought a new car, we would park it on the street after driving it off the lot and walk away and say, it's, <laughs> I'm upside down. I don't want this car anymore. Um, had those people just held onto those houses, um, you're right, they would have made a lot of money. The problem is that those, those loans were turning into um, fully amortized loans and the new, in, the new payment bumped them out. Like there's no way those people could have made it. The difference today is that most people could stop making their payment for a year or more. And when they got to that foreclosure point, just put a for sale sign and they're going to walk away probably still with some equity, even though they haven't made a payment in a year. True. I think the bigger thing right now that's a difference, part of the reason that the market crashed last time is because of the bad loans, no doubt about yeah. it. And those don't exist anymore. So a huge reason for it is gone. Mm -hmm. um, the other uh, thing that's really, really different, Philippe, and it's probably the, mo the even more important thing to consider is that Back then, people had options. I remember looking to buy a place in Escala, and it was $700,000. It's a Mission Valley. Um, still there. It's a great community. And uh, But I, I went to look at one, and they were asking $700,000. I thought, wow, that seems like a lot. Um, and then I, I looked over, and there was a for rent sign on one. I called it, and they were um, asking eighteen fifty a month for rent, basically a model match unit. So the difference between now and then, and a lot of people forget about this, you go look at the rental data, rents were way lower, way lower. I mean, they were so much lower back then. There was, it was below, it was less than 50% of what it is today. So if you were a homeowner, it wasn't just that you were upside down, Philippe. It was that, hey, I'm, I'm only paying, I'm paying 2,500, which is probably not even paying any principal. I'm paying 2,500, but I could rent the place across the street for 1,800 and I'll call them when the sink is broken, you know, and I, and not have to mess with it. Because when you're a homeowner, you have maintenance. So people were looking at like, well, I have maintenance costs. I'm paying more than I would to rent this place. I'm upside down. There's just no positive, you know, in their mind at that point. There was just like, well, I have no reason to stay. And I can get away with walking away. I heard on the TV and the radio. So, you know, they were just doing that. Yeah. And so we don't have any of those circumstances today. None of those. What's that None worth today? Happened. What's that unit worth today, you think? I would say... Man, that one today, four bedroom in Mission Valley with a garage in that location. I don't know, nine hundred million. Yeah, yeah. So time, time is key with real estate. Buy for the long haul. It is, and even if you bought at the exact top, at the exact top, and we charted this uh, on my YouTube channel multiple times, actually. If you bought at the exact top in two thousand and seven in San Diego real estate, it took less than ten years later, and you were at break even, and since then you're up over 25%. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's just about it, it, with real estate, you, even if you buy at the worst possible time, yeah. if you have a long-term time horizon, you're going to win. So, so yeah, this is great. And I want to, uh, I'm going to let you share your YouTube channel or how people can contact you before we go. So everybody go grab a pencil so you can write that down. But in the meantime, just as we wrap this up for today, uh, and you have so much great information about the retirement strategy. You shared some numbers with me before about how many um, people who are in their 60s and in their equity and et cetera, you know, how, how, what's their position. But that's a good topic for another time. Um, what should young people do or first time buyers or people who aren't in the market? Mm -hmm. How can they get in and what's the best strategy? Because, of course, 
you know, you go FHA and you put very little down, of course, your payment's going to be huge. And sometimes you won't qualify for that, especially somebody maybe have student loans. So give me some ideas of what young people could do to get in this market. You know, if I was a young couple or, you know, a young individual who was making some decent money, wanted to buy something, understood the power of real estate, let's say maybe I wasn't qualified for that much, or, you know, maybe it was, I was qualified for enough, but I didn't think I could swing the payment with other things I had going on. You know what I would try to do in this market right here today is I would try to get an agent mm-hmm. who would hustle off market for me, mm-hmm. who would go knock doors, who would go make the calls. And I would interview them based on that. You know, hey, I want you to call and try to, and a lot of agents will do this because it helps them find a seller. You know, if they find someone who's willing to sell you their place, then they got that listing too. And now they're getting both in. So a lot of agents will do that. A lot of buyers just don't ask for that. And I would also do the same thing on my own as a buyer. I would talk to everyone that I know and try to see if someone wants to sell something. Um, because in, in the meantime, the best thing you can do, and this is the best part, <clears throat> is you you want to live in the most meager circumstances possible. You want to have the lowest possible rent you can have. St- live with your parents, even if you hate it. Do it for a while. Do it for a few years. Save some cash because at the end of the day, that's going to be um, you know, crucial to getting an offer accepted. Do you have money for an appraisal bridge? Do you have a down payment? Are you conventional versus FHA? Um, those things are all going to play into it. So I would try to take the route of, you know, if you're, if you're in that situation, you're going to have to pay a little more attention, you know, to the market. Real estate used to be, Hey, when you're ready, go through the, you know, um, the automatic opening doors, walk up to the cashier, purchase what you're looking for. Real estate's not like Walmart anymore. You know, you have to be an insider. You have to be plugged in. You have to be all over it because if you're not, someone else is. And so you're just going to have to t- accept that mode. Like this is part of the cost of getting into real estate. If you want to get quote unquote a deal, which doesn't really exist on the market, you're going to have to find off the market. You're going to have to stay plugged in so that if there is a slowdown, if there is a breather in the market, you can bam, jump on it. Yeah, and you can seize that opportunity when that and that it will happen momentarily. It won't last long. People will will take a breather. It might be over a big holiday weekend. It might be over the, the major holidays at Thanksgiving or Christmas. You stay plugged in. You'll see those things happen, and then you can jump on it. I want to bounce back real quick to the reason why I don't think uh, there's going to be a crash, uh, even if all these people, you know, the the idea is that all these people are going to get um, evicted and foreclosed upon because they they haven't made their payment. There are, I was lucky enough uh, a week ago to have lunch in, in a room with a very wealthy guy who's um, big into real estate. He owns over 500 doors and across the country. Very few in California, by the way. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, they are, there are rich people and hedge funds and groups and iBuyer platforms that are amassing hundreds of millions of dollars. And they're just sitting on the sidelines waiting for any opportunity to swoop in and buy these homes. So these guys have relationships with the banks. They've got, um, he was raising a um, hundred million dollars and then they were going to borrow another 200 million to buy $300 million worth of homes that pop up. Many of them will be off market. The iBuyer platforms, you know, are, are also stepping in. So if you run into trouble and you don't want to go through the hassle, you can call them and get an offer. Um, and so that's another reason why I don't see you're going to, you're not going to see massive numbers of homes uh, even foreclosed homes hit the market. They're going to be gone uh, before you know it. You make a great yeah. point because that's something we learned from the last crash. Yeah. And a lot of investors missed out on that opportunity because they're inv- fully invested already or they had other things going on. And it was only a few big hedge funds that were able to buy tons and tons of homes during that process. So you make a great point. That that playbook 
has already been written and there's lots of people who know it and they're going, okay, let's get the gang together yeah. We'll make sure we're in position to take advantage of it. And just remember the more people who talk about a crash, the less likely it is to be happening. The crash won't come until the last bear says, all right, I'm buying a house. You know, the last person who was like, no, it's going to crash, going to crash, it's going to crash. They finally say, okay, I'm buying a house. That's when it's going to crash. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. I uh, got so much we could talk about, but um, I think the takeaway from today is if you can buy real estate and plan on holding it, it's the best thing that you can do with your money, especially with, if you just have money in the bank right now, it is going down in value daily. Inflation is kicking in. We see it in construction materials, gas, and that's going to translate into housing costs and, um, you know, everything. pressure on wages, everything. So, uh, try and buy something. Um, Derek, how can people get in touch with you or see you, your YouTube channel? Uh, yeah. let us know. Smarter San Diego TV will take you to my YouTube channel. And, um, if you, you know, I don't have a good, my name isn't that easy to spell. Um, so I don't I have like a good, uh, like website address. So just smarter San Diego.tv. I'll take you to YouTube and I got everything there. Fantastic. All right. Well, also if you're looking to refi, uh, contact Derek, he is a mortgage broker and he can hook you up or a new purchase uh, mortgage. Of course, I don't want to leave those out. Sure. Uh, anyway, thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk again for sure. Thanks for the information. Good, brother. Take All care. Right. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Real Estate Uncovered with the Real Estate Inspection Company. Connect with us at sdinspect.com or call 800-232-5180. If you haven't done so already, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Thanks again and catch you next time.